Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pro-Life Memetics Podcast. This is your host, Ricky Bennett, and I'm here with episode number two of the Pro-Life Memetics Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate some of the feedback that I got on the last uh, podcast, and I'm really looking forward to getting getting this one off the ground today. Just going to be talking a little bit more about where I stand in the pro-life discussion how I ended up where I am, some of the influences, and some of my vision for the future of this podcast, some of the things that I'd like to cover, what I hope to accomplish. So, without further ado, here we go. First, uh, I want to read a passage out of Plato's Republic. I've been reading Plato's Republic recently. I was reading an article not too long ago that was talking about Uh, the Western canon, talking about major books that have influenced Western culture, some of the greatest influences in Western culture and Western thought in general. Obviously, Plato and Socrates, Aristotle, were incredible thinkers in around 400 BC in ancient Greece, and their thoughts, philosophies have influenced the major progressions of intellectual thought within the Western world. And Plato's Republic is one of those books that is timeless and has been discussed throughout the time, throughout uh, history in the West for about 2,500 years or so. This book has been influential. So reading this book has been really amazing for me. Obviously, this book has been widely debated. There are many concepts and ideas in this book that I don't endorse. Obviously, uh, just like any other philosophy or book, it should be read read with a grain of salt, but it's one of those books that has had such a wide cultural influence that we don't even realize to what extent works like Plato's Republic have influenced our lives until we really start digging into it and kind of tracing those threads of thought back through history. So this this is one of those books that I highly recommend for people to read in general, just because uh, these preliminary seedlings of thoughts that were developed throughout the West are really important. It's much like reading the Bible, though not as influential through time and not a divine text. The Republic is much like the Bible in that these ideas have been brought into intellectual spheres, mulled over by many, many intelligent minds throughout history. And in Plato's Republic, the main thrust of this book is communicating. Plato is trying to think about what uh, the best society would look like. He starts out by thinking about what justice is and how justice would arise in a society. And so he uses Socrates in dialogue with his friends. Plato is writing about Socrates and using Socrates having these dialogues with his friends talking about what a good society would look like, how justice may arise. And here in book five, Socrates is continuing this dialogue with his friends. He's beginning to talk about some of these ideas, and his friends are pressing him on one specific idea and encouraging him to expound on that idea and to talk more about his thoughts on it. Socrates pretty famously is the man who said, I know that I know nothing. And he was walking around Athens and The Socratic method is a method of asking questions in order to attempt to arrive at the truth. So Socrates was pretty famous of 
making very few actual truth claims. And that was one of the things that was rather compelling about him, that he went around and was just challenging the foundations of the society and people's um, implicit assumptions and trying to find out why people believe that the things that they believe. Here Socrates is talking to his friends, and his friends are encouraging him to continue to develop these philosophical ideas. And here's the passage that Socrates communicates in Book 5 of Plato's Republic. To declare the truth about matters of high interest which a man honors and loves among wise men who love him need occasion no fear or faltering in his mind. But to carry on an argument when you are yourself only a hesitating inquirer, which is my condition, is a dangerous and slippery thing. And the danger is not that I shall be laughed at, but that I shall miss the truth where I have most need to be sure of my footing and drag my friends after me in my fall. Socrates is most concerned in this passage that as he begins to develop these philosophical ideas that he really come to the truth and he admits that he's just an inquirer and throughout this book actually he continues to make the illusion that these ideas are inadequate, that the forum in which they're discussing these things is not really adequate to fully expound all of these ideas and Many of them are meant to be suggestive and provocative rather than a actual description of the way the world should work. And so it's, it's much more curious than, than ideologically rigid. Uh, so Socrates is kind of exploring how these ideas work and what they mean and what a good society is. And so Plato is digging into these major ideas, and it's been said that the rest of Western philosophy has been footnotes to Plato, that Plato set the bar for philosophical dialogue. So I've said all of that to say that as I dig into the abortion discussion, as I continue to kind of put forth my views and how I've arrived where I have, I want to start out by admitting that my perspective is only one perspective of many. I want to acknowledge that there are many holes in my wisdom. There are many holes in my knowledge. There are many things that I still have less to le- left to learn. I am only a layman in this discussion. I don't have a degree. I'm not a politician. I'm not a professional intellectual. I am just a person who is concerned about this issue. And I do have many concerns about the cultural implications of abortion, but also, I don't want to sound callous, but this is also an interesting discussion for me because I believe a lot of the things that are happening in our society are converging on this issue. So this issue gets into big questions about religion and human being, human dignity, to what extent the government should be involved in personal decisions like abortion, to what extent a human fetus actually is a person, or if that actually is the case, what personhood exactly is, and what kind of legislation we should implement in order to end abortion in our society, what kind of strategies we should have about um, going forward with this political discussion 
in what ways can we affect the culture and what ways has our culture eroded to the point that we're dealing with this problem all of these these issues are raised around this question so abortion allows this massive convergence of all of these issues on one topic and abortion kind of gives us the real world scenario in order to test a lot of our worldview assumptions, things that we think about the world, and even political views on this one topic. So there's a massive amount of potential for this conversation and the implications that it has on our culture. And while I can recognize those things, I also want to acknowledge that I am inadequate to answer all of those questions. But I think if I enter into this this discussion, if I enter into this whole issue with a perspective of curiosity rather than being dogmatic about the things that I believe and standing firm and refusing to be swayed, then the potential for this conversation is great and vast in order for me to really come to understand more important things about my society, the way that it's functioning, the way that people are being affected by some of these things, and also different perspectives around the pro-life movement and even on the pro-choice side. So I want to come into this first understanding that all of my answers to these questions right now will be inadequate. And over the next year, as I continue to elucidate these ideas as I continue to communicate them and hopefully hopefully get better at thinking about this issue and talking to people about it. I want to leave room to change my perspective in certain ways. I want to allow myself to be taught to learn th- things through this this entire process. So starting out, I want to acknowledge and welcome the changes that will come from dialoguing over this issue. And rather than me just communicating the things that I dogmatically believe, I'd like to present where I'm at and my perspective so that as I communicate these things, as you guys listen to this and engage with the content that I'm producing, I can refine my own views and hopefully engage with other views. And so the whole purpose of this whole thing is not to present one hard and fast perspective, but simply to the best of my ability communicate where I'm at as a person, the the position that I'm standing in, and then allow the feedback to shape me and my views because There are many holes in my knowledge and the things that I understand. There's many things that I'm ignorant of still in the world. And even though there's a level of narcissism that comes into recording my voice and putting it all over the internet for people to hear, I also want to make this a process of growing for me and not simply a replication of my own views, but engaging with the wider sphere of this this whole thing. So starting out, that's that's my perspective with this podcast. So I'm just going to communicate a little bit about where I'm at with the abortion discussion, how I've arrived at the pro-life position and the things that are influencing me to stand where I am. And as I talk about these things, these are things that I want to continue to talk about in the future as 
I think more about them and how to communicate them more succinctly. These are ideas that I intend to spend a great deal of time talking about. So while laying these things out, it may sound like this is um, dogmatic and hard and fast. These are things that I intend to talk a lot about and to hear from you guys about and I'm interested to hear what you guys think about it but I just want to give my perspective. So first of all in my last podcast I said that I have been all over the spectrum as far as the abortion debate goes and I was raised in a Christian home but never really made the Christian faith personal until much later in my life until I was about 25 or so. So when I left home, I was nominally Christian. I professed to be a Christian, but it wasn't really a personal faith in a lot of ways. I joined the army and I started engaging with a lot of different ideas that I had never encountered before. A lot of different philosophical concepts and challenges to the Christian faith that I had never encountered in my religious training. And it really made me reassess my position and commitment to Christianity. Through that whole process, I ended up giving it up, and I got out of the Army, went to college for a couple years down in Texas to a community college. I was studying philosophy and political science and thinking about some big issues, and at the time, I was a professing atheist. Eventually, through a lot of the things that I was studying and thinking about, I came back around to Christianity and started reassessing I had kind of written off Christianity rather naively because of all of these ideas that I hadn't really thought about beforehand, but I didn't really have the tools to dig through these objections to Christianity until much later. So it took me a couple years of reading through and thinking through a lot of this stuff in order to come back around to Christianity. And long story short, I ended up becoming a Christian again, and through this whole time, There were times, especially while I was in the military and a little bit prior to that, where I probably would have been okay with things like Plan B and maybe abortion early on in the pregnancy. I didn't really think a whole lot about it, but that's probably where where I was for the most part. When I was an atheist, I would not have endorsed abortion for people that I love or care about in my life. But I would have said that abortion is the decision that is up to a woman to make. And it's not the government's business to be involved in that decision. And I really had no concept of human intrinsic human dignity or worth or value or anything like that. It was simply a medical decision. It was a scientific and, and a medical issue. And it really wasn't the government's place to be involved in that. When I became a Christian, I really started thinking about the implications of my faith. And leading up to Christianity, I was really thinking about the implications of my atheist worldview, the materialism and ultimate meaninglessness of the universe and the implications that that had on me and the rest of human life, and um, even you know naturalism and evolutionary biology, things like that. Um, when I became a Christian, it really turned my worldview upside down. I really started to had to start at the foundation and build back up again the things that I believed about the world and about myself as a person, um, what it means to be a human being and what this unifer- universe really is, what the contents of my psychic experience are really intended to accomplish. And through that process, I came to 
the final understanding that every human being is ultimately valuable and that the Western position of universal human rights was predicated on the belief that human beings are in direct relationship to our creator in a way that the rest of creation is not, that we are image bearers of God, that we have a direct relationship to God. Um, Whatever that means, there's a lot of philosophical discussion about what the image of God actually is, but it's clear to me in scripture that every human being has intrinsic worth and value because of their relationship to God. Because human beings were made in the image of God, we have intrinsic value. As I began to read a lot of different philosophy and Christian thought around this idea, it seemed clear to me that human life possesses value not simply because we are rational creatures or because we experience sentience or um, psychic experience in the world or that we are autonomous beings with a will, but simply that human beings are made in the image of God and we have that value intrinsically. A human life begins to exist at fertilization. We start. We all start out as one-celled organisms. Jesus Christ himself came and existed at one time as a one-celled organism and he was as much God and human being as one cell as he was when he was born nine months later. And it's the same way with every human being, that every human being is a human being from fertilization, from that single cell. Our DNA exists completely, and we are a human individual that cont- that begins to exist and uh, grows and goes through the, the life cycle process, starts at one cell. And this is a universally recognized scientific fact that human life begins at the single cell stage, but... The question is whether it's a human being or that is actually a person, and that's where this larger philosophical discussion comes into this whole debate. The scientific facts themselves are not enough. We need something that communicates that at one cell, at the single cell stage, that is a complete human life with intrinsic human value and dignity. And those are things that I see coming from the the Christian tradition, from the relationship that we have to these religious beliefs in the West. And I have a really hard time identifying where the human value and dignity exists within the atheist worldview. And even reading a lot of atheist ethicists and philosophers, they also deny any intrinsic human value or any distinction between human life and the rest of biological life. And those things are really important in order to establish the right to life and natural rights in the Western tradition. So since we lack those things without Christianity, it's my personal belief that the only way to consistently defend the pro-life position is from a Christian, uh, Christian standpoint within a Christian worldview. This doesn't mean, I've said this many times on my page, and people seem to think that this means that I'm saying that one cannot be pro-life and also be an atheist or be secular, and that's that's not true. That's not my position. That's not where I stand. Obviously, there are many pro-life atheists and secular people, and I think that's great, and I don't want to shun them or exclude them from the pro-life movement. The thing that I'm talking about simply is philosophical consistency and how we establish that a human life 
is valuable and that at a single cell that human being is complete and has dignity value and ha- ultimately has a right to its own life we need to establish that somehow and i don't see how that's established in atheism and this is one of those things that i'm expecting to have dialogue and push back about and i expect to have a lot of discussions about why i believe this specifically and um, i expect to hear arguments from people about why they believe that they can establish this human value and dignity from an atheist worldview. And I'm really interested to have that discussion. And this is by no means a closed-minded condemnation of atheist pro-lifers or secular people. This is simply my position. And what I want is for the pro-life position to be grounded on the strongest footing possible. And for me, I believe that comes from the the Christian perspective. So that's where I currently am philosophically. And then as far as getting involved in the pro-life movement, um, I was invited to visit my sister works for Crisis Pregnancy Center down in Massachusetts. She invited me down there to go to a fundraising dinner where a speaker, Ryan Bomberger, was going to be. And I listened to him talk and he was conceived in rape, adopted by a family, and now runs a pro-life organization. He gave a really compelling and amazing speech talking about his early development and how it would have been a fundamental injustice in order for him to be condemned for his father's sins, his father's crimes, that it would have been unjust and that he as a person deserved dignity, respect, and his right to life regardless of the crimes that his father committed, that he was not culpable for those crimes. And that's a big part of this whole pro-life thing. Rape and incest is one of the, two of the big exceptions that people make for abortion. They say, well, a woman that's raped or that is molested should be able to abort their child. And that's obviously a big and emotional discussion. And for men, it's really hard to get involved in this because we've been told by our culture that it's not our place, that this is a women's issue, and that men need to sit down and shut up. And this is mostly just pro-life men, because obviously the pro-choice men are accepted with open arms to the pro-choice side. But in any case, that um, speech from Ryan Bomberger really made me start reassessing my involvement in the pro-life movement and kind of galvanized me to get involved more because this is such a huge issue and this is people's lives that are on the line. It's not just simply a philosophical or a political issue. This is talking about the the lives of human beings and whether or not human beings deserve to live or not. And so those things really started to come to light for me then. So I started getting involved just on Facebook and on Facebook pages and stuff like that and started producing some of my own content, wanted to kind of direct a conversation on my own. So I started developing my own platform and it's grown into where it is right now. And so moving forward, I've already kind of touched on how this podcast is the next step for me. I've produced some memes and engaged in some discussions, but this is a way for me to engage in long-form discussion to really lay out some of my positions and hopefully logically discuss some of these things and then receive feedback from an audience about what you think about the things that I'm putting forward. So 
the the most important part of this process for me from my perspective is not the recording process it's really going to be the engagement of people that listen to this podcast so i'm really hoping as you guys listen to this to really digest some of the things that i'm saying and if you disagree with me that's awesome that's really great and i want to hear about those disagreements so as you see the podcast produced if you find links or you message my page i'm on facebook twitter instagram as at prolife memetics and you can comment on my you can send me messages you can comment on the links that i post anything and just really tell me what you think about the things that i'm saying um, this week I'm going to the pro the March for Life. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. I'm hoping to do some interviews while I'm down there. So I just want to knock out this podcast right before I leave. Thank you guys so much again for listening. I really look forward to hearing from you all. I really look forward to developing this more as I move forward. Thank you so much again for your support. I look forward to what is to come. And remember, a human fetus is a person.